Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome everybody to Paradox. Howdy. I'm Jimmy, that's Josh. I'm Josh, he's Jimmy. Josh shaved his head again. He looks like an Auschwitz survivor. That's offensive for to the, all survivors of Auschwitz. They're pretty much not around anymore. Oh so what are the odds? Oh my gosh, seriously, you're gonna go there? Well, I mean, they're, They'd like be 108. Maybe. Let's let's fact check you over there. You look just like one, except hmm. you don't. What do you mean? Well, there's just there's ways in which the hair, yes, hair okay. definitely. Okay, okay. And that's that's really it. My face that doesn't look like weathered from the sun or gaunt. Not so much gaunt. That's where you're going. Uh, not not really hollowed out. Uh, so I'm too overweight I, well, to be an Auschwitz I think, survivor. I think you look too healthy mm -hmm. to be an Auschwitz survivor. That's what I'm saying. So here <laughs> Beth and I were minding our own business. We're living in Colleen, Texas. You know, Colleen was home of the largest mass murder shooting until Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. You knew that? Yes. I know you knew well, that. Well, it's not like it slipped my mind. I don't think our audience knew that. Let me tell you that Jimbo and Beth, my mother and father, had me in an urban school where I was one block away from that shooting. Mm -hmm. I've never felt safe since. Uh, well, you have not been safe since. That's probably why you feel that way. Therefore, I eat my feelings. I didn't say that. <laughs> I did not say that. Oh, that's where you were going. No, I didn't. So Beth and I were sitting and... And Sarah was entering the seventh grade. And we were out. I was a Southern Baptist youth minister. So we were sitting out drinking iced tea. And she starts sobbing. She said, you know, Sarah's entering the seventh grade. We only have six more Christmases. We only have six more of her birthdays where she's going to be. And then she's going to be out of the home. And our house is going to be forever changed. And I hadn't really thought about it either. And I said, oh, gosh, you're right. It is going to be different. And I remember it's, just, it's going to be like a death in the family. And here's what I learned when Sarah, our oldest, was the first one to leave and go to college. What I learned was it's not really like a death at all because corpses do not bring laundry home on weekends or continually ask for more cash. Unless they're part of The Walking Dead. Which filmed here mm -hmm. last Sunday, not that I would watch those shows, but last Sunday, Fear the Walking Dead, the storyline took them to an abandoned baseball stadium, and it was the Dell Diamond. Oh. It was, was changed into that giant set. For you still Fear watch the that show? Dead. Both of them. The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. And they're Dead. good? They're fantastic. Better than Suits? So much better than Suits. <laughs> so much better I than know. Suits. I just say that because you gave up on Suits. So... 
Today we're talking about leaving the nest. Yeah, it's graduation season. This will drop on May 7th, and so y'all have little bitty chickadees about to leave the nest, and we thought it would be appropriate to discuss that. Because that is a, we don't, well, you know, in most, you know, evangelical homes or whatever, we don't really have bar mitzvahs. We don't have in some other cultures where we we dub people that you're now an adult. You've you've grown up, you have you've become a warrior, you whatever. We don't have that today. So when they leave What our, if you would have given me a ceremony and knighted me as a warrior? It would have been awesome. Let's do it to JJ and Sam. Well, <laughs> yes. We could first JJ we, like right now at three. You that, are now Well, face when we kill up. a deer, then you have to eat the heart. <laughs> That's how you become a warrior. Oh yeah, is that dances with wolves? I don't know. Some people do that. I think this, it's a thing. So if anyone out there knows, I think that's a thing that you're supposed to take a bite of, and if you can take a bite while it's still beating, mm, that's, that's what's best. That's what's just best. Just hold the the head down mm-hmm. and just dig while in while you gnaw on its still beating heart. <laughs> that's what it means to be a man. <laughs> Leaving home to go to college or to move out, you know, whatever. That's really the closest we have of almost a cultural ceremony bequeathing you, you your adult life. It is a transitional phase. It's, it's probably one of the largest transitional phases that any of us have, probably from, from being a toddler and going from pooping on yourself to being a little more independent. This is a, this is a major threshold of a, a major chapter closing and a new one opening. When they leave our house, it tends to be something that is feared, it's dreaded, depending on the circumstances, highly anticipated. Did you fear and dread it, obviously with Sarah the first, but with me, or was second and third easy? It was a little less difficult with you. And then by the time Lindsay got here, it was like, good Lord, how quickly can it? I, I say that. In, actually, it was probably the easiest with you because she was the first. We kind of had it down with you. And then... But Lindsay was the last, so that carried with it its own, there'll be no more kids here, the nest will be empty, just so you'll know, an empty nest so you- is fantastic. We were one of those who, as Lindsay was packing, we were measuring for a hot tub. Yeah, the empty nest was a good thing. And what, what will you find out is, this family's still there. You're still parenting, they're still learning, you're still involved in their lives, it morphs. But change is good. All change is good. The circle of life is good. And so that change is necessary. And Jimbo was and an empty nester at like 43. Oh, yes. So that's impressive. Oh, it was so good. I'll just have a 13 year old at 43. <laughs> 13, 11, and 8. Oh, you're going to be in your walker going to their to graduation. Their graduation. Yes. Yes. But the good news is I won't have to help them move. I won't be able to. You won't be able to. Yeah. You'll just point with your cane. So here's the problem. So the leaving the nest, this transitional period, brings with it its own set of difficulties. One of the problems with this, this transitional phase is parents who are not emotionally, psychologically ready to let go. So many parents have found their complete and total identities in being a parent. Uh, that tends to be more true of moms because more moms stay in the home and are homemakers and don't work outside, even though most do work outside. 
dads tend to, their identities tend to be their jobs. Tend to be. Shouldn't be, but tends to be. And for moms, their identity really seems to be in their being a parent. Therefore, when a child leaves, it tends to be, it can be much more devastating on the mom because her whole identity was wrapped up in this. So there's part of her that doesn't want to let go of that child. And so the parent is not emotionally or psychologically prepared to let the child go. I've had one parent in particular. They kept the same controls on their child in college, or at least attempted to, that you'll do what we say, and we're still going to punish you if you do something that wrong that we don't like. And so they had told this girl, you're not going to date this one boy. And so the mother said, I didn't trust her. And so on a Friday, she got in her car and would drive to Waco with binoculars to see her daughter if she was dating. She followed, she stalked her daughter with binoculars to make sure that she was doing what she was told to do. That is not letting go. Is something. Now, I've done that with like girls I liked, but for a mom. For a mom. To do that. Yeah. I mean, tap their phones mm-hmm. and stuff and yep. look in their windows, but yep. for a mom. But mom. Yep. That's out of place. There are those parents who are not emotionally, psychologically ready to let go. But we fail to think about the alternative in that the alternative is our child is 40 years old and they're living above our garage. That is not anyone's desired outcome. But some of these parents that are too emotionally invested in their parenting and in their child, that's one of the leading contributing factors to this phenomenon that we see today of these young adults in their failure to launch. They are not prepared to live independently because they were never prepared by their parents to live independently. And so part of this, you know, not being ready, willing, and able for our child to leave the nest is what's contributing to this phenomenon of failure to launch. The only thing I'll say with the problem, it's been said that you have six years with your children, so from seventh grade to twelfth grade, to parent them in such a way that you'll be able to be friends with them for the next 60 years. And you can do, and why you won't be... Because they shouldn't be our friends No, you're, while we're in the house. Correct. You got six years to parent them, be their authority, but in a healthy enough way that they'll actually want to be your friends later. Yes. And while you won't do everything perfect, you could literally do everything perfect, but screw up this leaving the nest, and your kid's liable to reject you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do everything perfect and yet be overbearing once they leave the nest and the kid's going to push away from you. So this is, for me, the quote unquote prop, this is such a huge, huge thing. You could have screwed a lot of things up, but do this well. And I think that you're going to be able to be friends with your child. So this moving, and we're going to get to it, to more of a consultant role, that is so key to be able to have a longstanding relationship with your children. Recording our Paradox podcast is a labor of love. We love exploring topics important to Christian families. We love bringing you interviews with authors, musicians, and podcasters that are shaping our world. Also, Jim loves to hear himself talk. See, I've been told that my voice is mellifluous. You have no clue what that means, do you? No. We also love making thousands of dollars. I know I do, if not you, Josh. I mean, we are, I don't know if y'all know this or not, 
But on this podcast, we are literally taking baths in $100. Jimbo, Jimbo we, we're not making any money. And actually, as of right now, we're behind $2,500, so we're actually losing our shirts. But see? see, that's a negative confession. You seem to think that that's a problem. It's not a problem, my friend, because we have a Patreon account. Please consider supporting us on patreon.com backslash paradox. If you think the show has helped your family, if you believe in what we're doing, you can make a one-time contribution or set up a subscription. With your help, we can continue to bring healing to Christian families. That's what I call mellifry, mellifo. The word you're looking for is mellifluous. It's been said that parenting is an 18-year process of de-parenting. So we go from total control to theoretically waving goodbye to a quasi-adult. And that's how we have to think about it. We go from wiping their hineys to shoving food down their gullets to changing their clothes to bathing them to little to no control. So that's the job of a parent, to go from total and absolute control to next to none over this 20-year period. So in order to do that, just like a child developmentally changes, we talk all the time about how a child developmentally changes, but the parent has to developmentally change as well. How they parent has got to developmentally change with their child. Did I ever share that story of the mom and the kid, the boy? You just asked me if you shared a story about a mom and a kid. Yeah, no, that was a little vague, wasn't it? She comes in with her son. And she says, okay, Johnny, I'm going to call him Johnny. Johnny, this is Dr. Myers, and he's very nice. And so you talk to Dr. Myers. You know, we talked about how important this you was. You shared this. Yes, keep going. He's a very nice, so you talk to him, and I'm going to be right outside. Okay, sweetie, if you need me, I'll be right outside. But here, you talk to Dr. Myers. And so she leaves. The boy was 17 years old. And, of course, my thought was, hey, kid, I don't know what you're in here for. But I'm with you because that lady is nuts. <laughs> Surely you didn't say that. I, didn't say, I think I actually. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. No, I didn't. There was a mom who did not developmentally change. She was parenting a 17-year-old like a 7-year-old. What we have to understand is our families are going to remain intact. That whole thing, we've mentioned it before, that when they're small children, we are hands-on supervisors in what they're doing. When they become teenagers, this six-year period we're talking about, we become more managers of what they're doing. And then when they leave, we become consultants. So we lose the control of our child when they leave our house. But hopefully, to your point earlier, we still maintain influence with them so that we're not telling them what to do, but they seek our advice on what to do, and we're prepared to do that. So it is, this is a transitional period that is fraught with, with landmines, but it can also be one of the most rewarding things for your child to call you and ask your opinion about something, to ask you to go do something with them. Now all of a sudden they're not making, you know, you're not making them do it. They're, it's not commanded that they do these things. They're now reaching back to you and wanting to include you in their lives. You made me go scuba diving with you. After. Yes, I did. After high and you've you've almost lost your life on numerous occasions. Three or four times. We should just do near-death experiences an episode, and you can just share all of them. 
to scuba, the point the scuba diving of projectile is vomiting in Key Largo. Key West? No, it was Key Largo. We, we were not in Key West. We went to Key Largo? We were the Keys, the Florida Keys, but we were in Key Largo. Yeah. For 15 years, I thought I've gone to Key West. Yeah, no, it's Key Largo. You're rocking my world here. Sailing away to Key Largo. Here's looking at you, kid. I can do the whole song, but I won't. Go ahead. Don't do it. Hmm. I just need a minute. <laughs> my whole story is now changed. <laughs> scuba diving is not for the faint of heart. That's why they ask you about it on life insurance policies. Mm -hmm. And I have almost died, I think, only twice, maybe three times. Yeah, there at was least the, three. There was the panic attack, 130 feet underwater. Mm -hmm. There was that um, one. There was losing oxygen. I lost all my oxygen in my tank, 45 feet underwater. Uh-huh. And we had to buddy breathe. I had to buddy breathe. That's not pleasant. Like sucking, see, sucking through the nozzle and not getting see, any air you're out. you're talking like the problem is scuba diving. You just really suck at scuba diving. And I keep saying, <laughs> we need to do it more so you'll get better. No. And you push back. I do it more so I'll die. I really thought the panic attack was my end. I thought so too. Anywho, are you finished with your solution? Yep, I'm done with my solutions. I've solved the problem. In our final couple of minutes, and feel free to chime in whenever, to all of our married folks, and for those that are not listening, you might have turned it off by now, that have five-year-olds like I do, and you thought, ah, leaving the nest, I don't need this episode. You know, even these principles that are for more after you leave home, like this first one, work on your marriage, those obviously can apply here. So this episode, even if you have super young kids, is not all for naught. But for all my married folks out there, when your kid leaves, especially those empty nesters, you need to work on your marriage. Because after 20 years, divorces skyrocket and marital satisfaction skyrockets. So there seems to be this line of demarcation where those marriages either go down the tubes or you're living the life. And the best time to work on your marriage is now. Mm -hmm. If you have five-year-olds or if you have a 16-year-old, you know, begin to work on that now because so many people look up after graduating three kids and they don't know each other. You know, this whole thing where we live now that just if, if our child has a really nice bowel movement, we'll put a little white sticker on the back of our Suburban celebrating with that kid's name under it. Just a poop emoji? Yeah. We're so child-centric today. And our, our lives become nothing but catering to the needs of the child. Well, newsflash, that child is leaving. That child is going to be gone. And if you spend your entire first 25 years of your marriage focused like a laser on those children, ignoring the marriage, that is going to come back to bite you in the whoopsie when they leave. So work on your marriage now. Be the bigger person. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, ah, my wife wouldn't want me to pursue her anymore. It's been so cold for so long. Do it. You know, be the bigger person. Step out in faith and pursue. If you're thinking, you know, my husband's too crotchety, he wouldn't want it, do it. Pursue your spouse and work on your marriage. Because that, it's interesting. We birth our kids and then we make everything about them. And sometimes, obviously, well, in large measure, like that's a necessity at some level. Like my seven-month-old, it needs to be Correct. about them. So obviously all that makes sense at some level, but when we do that to the detriment, you didn't make a covenant with your kids. Mm -hmm. You know, it was forsaking all others to your spouse mm -hmm. to include your kids. Mm -hmm. Your spouse has to be that top priority because hopefully you'll have a 50-year relationship with them mm -hmm. in your home. 
and you only got 18 with your kids. And so mm-hmm. your marriage prior to uh, leaving the nest, your kids leaving the nest, but also especially when they do, needs to be the priority. Yep. Speak when spoken to, obviously that goes back to the consultant role. So when they actually have a question, then speak into their life. Until that, don't. Let them go. <laughs> don't offer up a suggestion. Let it go, let it go. And you might be thinking, oh, I can ask them questions to get them to my conclusion. That's not even great. So really don't speak to them about, obviously, how's your day? But as far as matters of decision-making in their life, really only speak when, when, when asked to. But don't ping-pong all the way to the other end of the spectrum. So if you're not to speak really until spoken to, you know, let them go. Don't go all the way to where I'm just going to ignore them. Do small, calendar them even, but do small touches of love, whether it's a note or a text or, I don't know, Snapchat. And, and I told you about like with Lindsay. So like, I feel bad now because when Lindsay graduated from college, Beth and I were in Vegas. Completely slipped our mind. Yeah. You failed to go. Um, yeah. So don't do that. Or if you do, stay at the Bellagio because awesome. That's what I'm saying. Did you make her graduation? Of course, the I real made question: her. Did you make mine? I made all my children's graduations. I think you made it to Brownwood in the three year I, there. Three years I was there twice. I graduated from Brownwood. Yes, in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't need to go back. It was it was a dark I place. I know you did not move me in to Howard Payne. No, it was I the girls not. and mom. Yes. Let, everybody, let that sink in. My everyone. lumbago was acting up. <laughs> my old war wound. And then finally, let them fail. Let them fail. You should have been doing that before now, mm-hmm. but let them fail. If they have the F or if they date the wrong person, let them fail. It's so incredibly important that they try to fly and then fall to the ground because every failure is going to be an opportunity for growth for them. And if you intervene in that growth then you're setting them up to not be able to handle life on their own. Preach it, Brother Josh. Brother Jimmy. We've come to the end. We've come to the end. That was fun. Let's do it again. May 7th, this episode is dropping. Obviously, you're listening to it on May 7th, or at least that week. We're releasing two new episodes next week, May 14th, and then we're going to break for six weeks. We're going to re-release... Greatest Hits. Old episodes. Greatest Hits. Gently used episodes. The Golden Oldies. <laughs> for six weeks, and then be back with you with fresh new content on July 2nd. Yep. If you need more information about this show, ParadoxPodcast.com. You Holla. can find our socials there. Review, like, share. We're almost up to 90 likes. Get out. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Do we want to tell them? And there are, we have 2,000 listeners. Someone to do the math there. Do you want to tell them probably who? Oh, and starting after we come back? Don't don't tell any future guests. You we, don't? We haven't confirmed. How about that we're going to have a sponsor? We're <laughs> going to have a paying sponsor. You heard me right. Someone is actually going to give us cash money to do a commercial on this show. Yes. Well, now Shout I feel out pressure. to Ben Martin. Now i got to like clean up my act and act all normal and grown up and professional. So we'll be back next week and then again in July. I yep. hope you have a good rest of your day. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox... 
In order to replace the disc in his neck, they took a notch out of his pelvis bone. And he kept sniveling about how his hip hurt. Complaining. And I was just going, what is wrong? Come on, we got to do these exercises. Let's go, let's go. And I'm just pumping his leg, and he's like crying. And I'm going, Billy, you're, you're, you're acting like an old woman. You're a grown man. And what do they do? I mean, old, old ladies, crippled, blind ladies have this surgery. They're not crying. Sorry if you're blind and, and so crippled. And so I'm just working his leg, and he's crying, and I'm calling him a wuss. He goes to the doctor, and his pelvic bone was snapped in two. 